You're listening to the Life in Christ Church podcast, your place for life-changing messages that will build your faith and propel your life. If you enjoyed today's message, why don't you be a blessing and share it with a friend? You know, you know when you was in the world, anybody was ever in the world? You know, when you're in the world, you know, Friday night, Saturday night, you know, it was a big, big party night. When I was in the world, every night was a party night. I didn't just, wasn't just regulated to weekends, but, you know, when people in the world, you know, Friday night, Saturday night, listen, it's only 7.35, and people ain't even started to get ready yet for their night. Now, if we want to come to church, how long is the meeting going to go? Who cares? You never asked that when you was in the world. Now, I understand if this was a religious service, and the only thing that was here is religion. I understand that. <laughs> But the Holy Ghost is here. The fire of God's here. You see all the hands of people being touched? Amen? And, and you know, they, we never ask, well, how long is the party going to go? We never ask that in the world when we're serving the devil. Amen? Now, we'd go out and we'd stay out to, I mean, last call. Then we'd go somewhere else. Amen? Get home, not even know how we got home. Wake up sick. Some, some of you woke up to a stranger. Because you got all intoxicated and they were beautiful. Then reality set in in the morning it's like, ah! <laughs> well, you know what I'm talking about is the truth. And it works both ways. Then we credit, then we're so sick and hung over, we gotta go to work, but we go to work. And we'd crawl, we'd crawl to the we'd crawl to the bathroom. We'd hug Uncle John. Then we'd give him an offering. <laughs> you know what? And then we'd go do the same thing the next night. The same thing the next night. You know what? One thing we never asked. How long is the meeting gonna go? We never asked that in the world. But how come it is all of a sudden people get saved and they come to church? We never ask that in the world. Come on. I tell you what's here, people, people tonight are going to pay big money to get what's here. But you'll wake up different. You'll wake up free. You'll wake up filled. Come on, you'll wake up healed. You'll wake up, come on, with a dance. Amen, you'll wake up rejoicing. Amen? Because the wind of God blows in this house. The fire of God falls. The Holy Ghost, he's here right now. I felt it as soon as I stood up here. The Holy Spirit himself, the unseen one, he's here right now. He's the one that walks up and down these aisles and in between these rows. And he comes to everyone that's hungry. Amen? He comes to everyone that's hungry, and guess what he does? He fills us. He fills us. Amen? Come on, he fills us. Hallelujah. Just press in tonight, because God wants to touch everybody. Press in tonight. God wants to touch everybody. Just press in tonight. No, no I mean, really, who, 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 who cares? Just press into the things. Don't let anything stop you. Forget about who your neighbor is. Forget about who's here. Just draw a circle around you, and the only ones in that circle is you and the Holy Ghost. Amen? 
And, and just let, let him do, let him move every way he wants to move. Fire of God, hit your feet, take off running. Come on, fire of God, hit your legs, just jump up and take off dancing in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Don't sit there and dance in your seat. Man, just take off. I'll, I'll probably follow you if you do. Hallelujah. Amen. See, because here's what I've learned a long time ago. I mean, next year's 40 years of ministry full time for me. And I've conducted since 1990, I've conducted over 10,000 revivals. 50, 56 nations of the world over 200 times. For 25 years, I'd, I would, from 19, I mean, for like 25, 27 years, I'd, I'd do almost 500 meetings a year. That's two services, because I'd do morning meetings. That's two services a day. 52 services a month. Everywhere we go, revival breaks out. And we'll stay two, three, four, five, six, seven weeks. I was, we just did a conference last week, and I swung by and preached for a guy, Pastor Dennis Willis, who has the great church in Greensboro, North Carolina, called the Cathedral of His Glory. And um, when, when I first went there, I mean, they were only running like 300 people. I'll tell you, the fire of God fell. We were there for four weeks. We started with 300 people, ended with over 1,500. Wow. Why? Because the glory of God comes. The glory of God comes. Now, the glory of God comes. And you know, and I don't understand ministers sometimes. They're so worried about, they're so worried about branding themselves. Who cares? Just get the fire. Who cares about branding yourself? Just get the fire. Who cares about if you're a bishop? Who cares if you're an apostle or prophet? Now, I'm not belittling those offices because some of my dearest friends are prophets and apostles. I'm not belittling the office. But it's not about a title. Have something from heaven. No, have something from heaven. That's why revival is so important because when God comes and he does a work on the inside of you, now he'll be able to do a work through you. God can't do a work through you if he doesn't do, you don't allow him to do a work in you. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. And when you, when you study revival, one thing that I have learned about revival, every individual man or woman, every individual, through, and I can show you in the Bible what I'm about ready to say with individuals in the Bible, I'll show you. Every individual in the Word of God that has shaken nations, every individual that has literally turned the course of generations, that's why I am, I, 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 I'm not worried about what's going on in America. In the natural, it looks doom and gloom. Oh, but I know, I know about revival. I know about great awakenings. And there's another one coming. It's already begun in America. Already in America. Oh, oh, oh listen. This is our hour. This is for the church. This is our finest hour. This is our greatest hour. And we're about ready. I'm telling you, the church is about ready to enter into a realm of miracles to where miracles are so common, it's as common as drinking water. Because people are hungry. People are, oh, my resukoropashata. People are hungry for God. And God will touch anybody that just calls on Him. Come on, God will touch anybody that just calls on Him. It don't matter what you've done, don't matter what your past looks like, don't matter how many mistakes you made, that doesn't, that, that's your issue, that's not God's. 
All God is looking for is a heart that's hungry for him, that's going to seek him and call unto him. And he promised us that if we'd call unto him, he'd answer us. He promised us that if we seek him, he would allow us to find him. It's the greatest hour for the church. It's the greatest hour. It's your greatest hour, Pastor. For, for your ministry and for the church and for your city and for your state. It's your greatest hour, Pastor Joe. It's our, for any other pastor. Listen, it's our greatest hour. There's nothing to fear. Absolutely nothing to be afraid of. Who gives a rip what the world's doing? Who gives a rip what the, what the devil's doing? Who cares? Don't even mention him in my presence. He's a defeated foe. He's a defeated individual. Jesus whipped him. Jesus made a show of him openly. Jesus triumphed over him. And when God raised him from the dead, is the moment you and I were declared righteous. That's why we can come before God and we can come boldly to his throne. Amen? That's why we don't have to come, understand when we come to the throne of God, we don't come as children. Um, as, as, as we come as children. We don't come as, as servants. We come as children. That's why we can come boldly. Why? Because we're one with him. If people just, just begin to understand what redemption is, and so many people in the body of Christ really have no clue about redemption. They have no clue about redemption. They have no clue that the life of God is on the inside. Understand something. If you are born again, washed in the blood of Jesus, if your name written down in the Lamb's book of life, the life of God, the nature of God is on the inside of you. And Jesus gave us, he, gave, he said to us in John chapter 10. This is not my message, I'm just sharing a little bit. He said in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, the thief comes. There you go. Man, you've gotten quick. Man, he wants another $100. That's what it is. Ah, he said, maybe I'll get another 100 Hallelujah. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, the other night I said, if you, have that, if you have the scripture up on the screen in the next five seconds, I'll give you $100 out of Pastor Joe's wallet. <laughs> My wife ended up giving it. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Jesus reveals something here. He said, the thief comes. We know who the thief is. The thief comes to what? Three things. Steal, kill, and destroy. That's, what, that's why when people, people that are against prosperity, I mean, really, when, when, when somebody begins to talk about, man, that, that prosperity gospel, blah, 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 you're really, you're just, you're just revealing your ignorance. You're revealing your lack of understanding concerning the word of God. Because the Bible has a lot to say about it. Amen. There's over 500 scriptures on the subject of prayer, so obviously God wants us to pray. There's over 500 scriptures on the subject of healing, so obviously healing belongs to us. There's over 2,000 scriptures on prosperity. Jesus talked more about prosperity than anything else. 
And yet so many people fight it. I mean, really, how dumb can you get and still breathe? I had, a guy, I had a guy come to me and tell me, I don't believe in that prosperity stuff. You know what I said to him? I said, well, you're a hamburger short of a Happy Meal. <laughs> what do you mean you don't believe in that prosperity stuff? How do you think the gospel is supposed to get out? Amen. No, it, it, it's, 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 understand something. It's doctrine of devils that's gotten into the church. Wherever there's religion, there's poverty. Wherever there's religion, there's struggle. Wherever there's religion, there's sickness, disease, there's people defeated. Wherever there's religion, there's people living ungodly, unholy lives. Because there's no power in religion. Amen? There's no power. And one of the things as, as believers that we should be marked by is our love for Jesus. That we're branded by the fire of the Holy Ghost. And we walk in power. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. So that's why I said earlier early in the week, you know what? I don't even argue or debate with people anymore. I don't believe in that prosperity stuff. Well, fine. You don't have to. You don't have to. Stay poor. Live on our bridge. Don't want you to. I really don't want you to. But you can't make people do things. Because everything in life is a choice. God even said so. He even said, I've set before you life and death. But he gives us a little hint. But he says, but choose life. Who does the choosing? You and I. But he also says, you keep reading. He also says, I've set before you prosperity and I've set before you curses. So guess what we choose? You either, cho you either choose prosperity or you choose curses. So the Bible says. You don't have to guess what I've chosen. And yet the Bible said, Jesus himself said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Anytime you see killing, distilling, and destroying going on, understand, God's not involved. Jesus revealed the purpose and the plan of Satan. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But then he says, well, I've come. He says, but I've come that you might have life. I've come that you might have. If he would have stopped there, we would never be able to exhaust that. But he didn't stop there. Because understand something about God. He's extravagant. God's excessive. God's extreme. There's nobody as excessive and extreme and extravagant as God. I mean, just look how he had, just, just look how he had the temple made. Just look, at, just look at the priest's garment. Just look what goes on around his throne. Oh, Hallelujah. I mean, the Bible says that with his breath, he parted the waters so that millions of Israelites could cross over with his breath. Psalms 33 says, with his breath, that's all he had to do. With his breath, he created the stars. With his breath, he created the star. I mean, when you really begin to get it, now you don't get this from religion, but get into where the Holy Ghost is and dive into the Word of God, and God will begin to reveal himself to you because God wants you to know who he is. That's why Daniel said, those that know their God. That word know there is the same word used when the Bible says Adam knew Eve. It's a relationship word. 
Not those that know about. Many people know about. There's a lot of theologians that know about. There's a lot of scholars that know about. But they'd be the last one I'd ever have pray for somebody if their body's ravaged with cancer. Because they know about it. There's a difference between knowing about somebody and knowing that person. I knew about Pastor Joe. But when I came here and got to know him, fell in love with him. Because he's a great guy. Boy, I guys got to know him and Pastor Sarah. Why? Because we got to know him. Amen? It's the same with God. That's why Daniel was so bold. That's why he was so bold. He knew God. That's why he wouldn't, that's why he wouldn't comply. Unlike what many did three years ago. He wouldn't comply. What did Daniel do when they told him to stop his praying and stop worshiping his God? What did he do? You know what Daniel did? Daniel raised the window and prayed louder so they could hear him. Can you imagine Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego applying, complying? Can you imagine Elijah complying? Come on, church. Can you, can you imagine Peter and John complying? Can you imagine Paul complying? I'm talking about individuals. Listen to me. I'm talking about individuals who had an encounter with God. I'm talking about individuals who know God. That's why I said earlier, and I'm not finished here, but that's why I said earlier that every man, every woman that God has used to shake nations, listen to me, God, God has used to shake nations that has, he's used to turn the very course of generations. They've all been individuals who at some time in their life, apart from their salvation experience, sometime in their life got so hungry for God that they had an encounter with him. Because they begin to seek him. And they begin to cry out to him. And when you come to listen, listen, the most dangerous person on the planet is a hungry person for God. You want to know somebody's going to get their prayers answered? Get around a hungry man. You want to get around somebody that's blessed and has got favor and has miracles? Get around a hungry man for God. Because that'll get off on you. Come on, now to get off on you. That's why I tell pastors, listen, if you want your church to be radical, they got to see you being radical. If you want your church to be a soul winning church, and we all should. If you want your church to be a soul winning church, they got to see you going after the lost. If you want your church to be a praying church, they got to see you praying. If you want your church to be a giving church, they got to see you giving. Come on, church. If if you want your church to walk in divine power, they got to see you doing it. I mean, I mean we're, we're not just up here to preach a nice little message with four points and a poem. Paul said, my gospel, when it come to you, didn't come in word only, but it came in power and in demonstration. And isn't it, isn't it, isn't it sad that we've come to the place in America that the majority of church folk, they don't have under, any understanding whatsoever of his power. Now, sometimes we can be in a bubble because we're used to that. But the, we're, the majority of the church world is not like that. If you believe in miracles, you're in the minority in the church world. 
If you believe in prosperity, you're in the minority of the minority. I told Pastor Joe, he was giving me some statistics. I told Pastor Joe, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, used to be a scientist, brilliant man. Matter of fact, he's just translated his own Bible. Hebrew and Greek. Because he, he'll go, and, he'll go and, and, and debate with rabbis in Hebrew and Greek. He's raised the dead. Good friend of mine. But he, but he was very brilliant. But he was hired by the state of California to come up with a cure for cancer. And anyway, now he's a pastor. But he's not one of these, lot of, he's not one of these pastors that's all heady. I mean, the power of God's in his midst. I mean, the wind of God blows in his services. People raised from the dead. Amazing things happen. Amazing things happen. And he told me, I was talking to him, and he said to me, he, he just read this, 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 this uh, what do you call it? Not a, a, not a survey. What do you call it? A, they did an investigation. But in the, yeah, a report, and they come to the conclusion, here's what they found. In America, 75% of pastors in America buy their sermons online. Seventy-five percent. The study, yeah. Can you imagine, Pastor? Seventy-five percent. And I was telling another friend of mine about it, and he goes, "Oh yeah, I know a guy. Big, big, got a big church in Dallas, and he he he, he writes sermons for a lot of these preachers." And we wonder why there's no power. Because that means there's three quarters of the pastors in America that are, that are not on their face before God. Buying some regurgitated re message that's just no power, no life. You wonder why there's no miracles. You wonder why there's no moving of the Spirit. Thank God I ain't here at this church. Amen. Thank God. And I know it's not at your church either. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I wouldn't even hang around a pastor like that. Think about it. That means there's people that come into those churches because still the world still thinks God's in the house in a house. So they think that if I go to a church, I'll find God there. That's how the world thinks. And the unfortunate thing about it is there's many people that are still so desperate. They're so desperate crying out to God. They, 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 they want to know. They want to live and they'll go, to, they'll go to some dead church where there's no glory, there's no power. They don't even believe in healing. And walk out where the heart's broken No touch from heaven. That's not how God purposed for the church to be. Amen? Amen. That's not how God purposed for the church to be. That's why I said that this church, this church is not here to accommodate people. This church is here to accommodate the Holy Ghost. 
Because when the Holy Ghost is here, people like that will walk through those doors, and guess what? They'll step right into his glory. They'll step right into his presence. They might not know what they're feeling, but they'll feel something happening in their body. They might not know what it is, but they'll know it's good. Next thing you know, they'll begin to check themselves. The tumor's gone. Come on, that's how it should be. That's why A.W. Tozer, great man of God, A.W. Tozer made this statement. He said, if the Holy Ghost was to, take, to be taken out of the early church, 95% of everything that went on with the early church would cease. He said, but the modern day church, if the Holy Ghost is to be taken out, 95% of everything that goes on that, that, that was happening would continue. I mean, he's making a point that we've allowed, we've allowed emotions and we've allowed, you know, the secular world and we've allowed the soulish realm to take over. Yeah. And I have people on a regular basis sitting in the pews. With a, with a death sentence. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. That's the Zoe. That's the Z-O-E. In God was life, John 1. In, in God was life. And God put his life in his son. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. And then you can see how extreme God is and that you might have it more abundantly. Understand, Jesus didn't come here to start a church. Jesus didn't come here to give us some moral conduct to live by. He didn't come here to start an organization or seminary or Bible school. Jesus came for one purpose, to give us life. To give us life. That's the life of God. No, that's the life of God. No, that's the life of God. That's how, that's how Paul could walk around when a venomous snake comes out of the fire and attaches itself to him. He didn't freak out. Paul didn't freak out. Come on. A venomous fire grabs this. Paul didn't freak out. Paul didn't go, oh, I'm vaccinated. <laughs> oh, I got five boosters. Isn't that what Paul did? Hello? Isn't that what Paul did? He, did, he, 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 didn't, call, he didn't call for a prayer meeting. He didn't start begging. He didn't even start talking to God. Because Paul knew who he was. The same person you are. But it was a revelation to Paul, not a revelation to you. Shook it off. Venomous snake. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. My nature is God's nature. My life is God's life. He gave me his life. I'm born of God. I'm not born of this world. I'm born of God. 
The life of God's on the inside of me. And the life of God that's on the inside of me is greater than the death that comes from the venom of that steak. Amen? That's what he did. That's what he did. Why? Because the life of God that's in you, that's why I pray. That's why I pray Ephesians 1 over you. That's why everywhere we go, my prayer is that the God of my Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he might give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. That your eyes might be opened. That your eyes, I'm talking about these eyes, I'm talking about your spiritual eyes. You're the real man on the inside of you might be opened. That you might know with the glorious inheritance that he has given us in his glory and his inheritance. And that we might know, according to the Bible, that we might know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. That same power that he wrought in Jesus when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and dominion and might. Not only in this world, but also in that which is coming. Come on, church. The life of God is on the inside of you. The life of God is on the inside of you. The life of God is on the inside of you. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Rasa calabronja. The life of God's in you. The life of God is in you. Oh, shandelele bosatai. The life of God is on the inside of you. The life of God is on the inside of you. It's impossible for me to die. It's impossible for you to die because the life of God is on the inside of you. Jesus came that we might have life, God's life, and life more abundantly. Oh, hallelujah. I do a little, little mountain dance, little Holy Ghost Kentucky dance. Hallelujah. Life. 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 That's why the death sentence has been canceled. Death has no hold on you. 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 Life is in you. Sickness and disease has no hold on you. Life is in you. And this is the person Satan fears and trembles. Because the last thing he wants you to know is who you are. The last thing he wants you to know is who you are. Because as long as he can keep people ignorant, he can keep them bound up. But the moment the light comes on, and the moment they begin to see who they are. Come on, church. That's why the Bible says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Understand, 
Satan is not the church's problem. Lack of knowledge. How can somebody that's defeated be a problem? I remember one time, Pastor, I remember one time I, had a, I was in the back room and it was in one of our in revival and somebody came up and said, Brother Richard, Brother Richard, we got to pray. I said, for what? What do you mean pray? We've been in three weeks of revival. What do you mean pray? He said, oh, there's a couple of witches come tonight. So I said, really? Really? Show me. Where do they park their broom? I want to see. Seriously? Listen, I might have 101 problems, but I promise you, a witch is not one of them. The devil is not one of them. Hallelujah, God. They don't know who I am. They don't know who I am. They don't know who you are. Come on. Let that river flow. Hallelujah. Let the river of God flow. Come on. Let the river of God flow. Yield to it. Because see, as you yield, you'll be filled. As you yield, you'll be healed. As you yield, you'll be set free. Come on. Yield to it. I told you this is Friday night. We're going to have a better time. Oh, shakalabasaka. Yeah. 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 Oh, Yeah. We're going to have a better time tonight in church than I have some bar down the street. Hallelujah. I'm so tired. I'm so tired of the younger generation knowing more about entertainment than the very presence of God. Don't get nervous. This happens everywhere we go. I'm a revivalist. People getting drunk in your meeting. I know. I'm not even, I'm just, I'm not even started. I'm just having fun, fellowship, and just talking with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Joy's good. Depression's bad. Joy good. Do <laughs> you know what people don't realize is that in the midst of everything that's happening now, deliverance is taking place. People getting healed and don't even know it. Do you know, I never asked for this kind of ministry. Never. I just got hungry for God and sought after him. And I'm so grateful to my dear friend, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, who, who we've been best friends for since 1988, January of 88. I'm, how many years is that? Oh, 35. 35 years we've been. I have to tell you, I was in a revival in, where was it? It was Indiana. In a place called Evansville, Indiana. Actually, it's right outside of Evansville, Elberfield. And this pastor had been trying to get me to come for a long time. And so I had a meeting postponed. So I called the pastor and I said, look, I can come start this Sunday. It was, and he said, oh, Brother Richard, man, I, I, we need more notice. I said, it's the only time I can come. He said, well, it's Wednesday. Come, just come. And we'll get the word out. So I, I went there. And I'll be honest with you, I... I didn't know where I was going to. 
Because I had a, I had a five-week revival in a neighboring town for five weeks. And he had actually come and got touched in that meeting. And uh, he's been wanting me to come for a long time. So, so I come to his church. I didn't know he was meeting in an old pole barn. He's meeting in his old pole barn. I'm going to show you what the joy does. And I'll be honest with you, when I walked in, I thought, it's the ugliest church I've ever been in my life. <laughs> the walls were like a, a blue that, I don't even see anybody here with that ugly blue on that kind of. <laughs> the, 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 the chairs were like all green, that all green, pukey green velvet. I'm not velvet, but vinyl. The carpet was just pieces of carpet from people's houses. And the praise and worship, the praise and worship was, huh. <laughs> I know they was doing the best they could, but I didn't know what I was getting into. And I knew it was bad when the guitar player got up and started playing. He, had, he still had the stickers on his, the, the neck of his guitar. The piano player, the keyboard, had stickers on the keyboards like C, D, A. I mean, it's like, oh my. It was, I promise you, it was horrible. So I stepped outside. And I said, I did, honestly, I did. I said, God, I can't handle that. Jesus. I could do a better job with a cat under my arm squeezing it. <laughs> and I said, I said, Lord, I said, Lord, I know, I know we can, we can pray the anointing down, we can give the anointing down, we can worship the anointing down, but Lord, we won't be worshiping it down this week. I said, Lord, I can't handle it. So I'm just outside. All of a sudden, the, Pastor Danny, the door opened up. Pastor stepped outside, shut the door behind him, sliding glass door, because old pole barn. He looked at me and he said, "Ha, oh, Brother Richard. I said, yeah. He said, oh, God, I can't handle that in there. <laughs> so this is the pastor, too. So here's the pastor and the evangelist outside because the worship was so bad. And there was like 65, 70 people there. But I didn't say anything. I mean, I mean hey, you know, look, I know these doing the best they could. So I remember I walked in. And I, and I noticed there was a lady sitting on the front row. And she, she starts staring. Pastor Joe, she's like. And she starts looking at me. And a couple times I look at her and she go, huh. I was, I was like, I almost, she's sitting on the front row. I'm like, what is she even on the front row? I can look. I can look and tell she's got devils. So I'm almost, I don't want to walk by. I'm afraid she might bite me or something. And I asked the Lord, if, you know, the, you know, you got to be careful. You know, I asked the Lord to want me to cast the devil out or he didn't say anything. Well, he didn't say anything, so I'm going to leave it. But I thought, well, she's definitely going to leave, especially in, in my meetings. Because the fire comes every night. The glory comes. And people, people that got issues, people got demons, they either leave or they get set free. So I thought, well, she's going to get set free or she won't be back. And I'd walk by, I'd walk back up and down like I do now. I'd just walk up and down. And every once in a while, I'd walk by and I'd hear her go, Arr. She literally growled at me. And I'm like, and she's sitting on the front row. 
And I thought, well, you know, and I prayed, I prayed and that night, fire of God filled that morning, Sunday morning. I thought, well, she won't be back tonight. I come to the church Sunday night, and there she is sitting in the front row. <laughs> Same thing, growled at me, look at me. <laughs> I'm like, man, we've had all kinds of things happen in the revivals. I mean, I've had two people try to kill me in the meetings. Attack me physically. One attacked me, the other one come with a gun. But you know, they, I'm, I'm already dead, so they can't kill me. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. That old man died. I, I got life in me. Even if he did try to shoot me, the bullets would bounce off. That's what happened to Oral Roberts in the beginning days of his ministry. Somebody came into the church. He was passionate a little bit old church in Oklahoma. Somebody came and didn't like him. Some demon didn't like him. Come in the church and unloaded a pistol on him. And, and, and the, sh- the bullets just hit him and bounced down. Bounced off of him. You just don't know who you are. Oh, yet. Oh, but wait till, wait till the revelation comes. You find out who you are. Because he came to give, he took our life, he came to give us his. So Sunday night, there she was again. Growled at me a few times. I'm like, well, she won't, but everyone will be back tomorrow. I come in Monday night, there she is. And I remember I asked, asked the pastor about the lady. He said, oh, I mean, nobody really liked her in town. <laughs> really? I can see. That's news to me. <laughs> Tuesday night. There she was. Well, come to find out, she owned the building. That's why she's there. And the Lord, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? So the Lord spoke to me. He said, share your testimony tonight. And when I share it, see, I cannot even talk about it. That's what a testimony is. A testimony is alive. That's why every time you go to share your testimony, it's why you relive it. It's alive. That's why Satan hates you to testify. But how do we overcome? By the blood of the Lamb and what of a testimony. Testify. When God does something for you, testify. Come on, God's touched you this week. Testify. Go tell people. Just get on the phone and start telling people what God did. When he blesses you with something, testify about it. Give him glory because every time you testify, it brings him glory. Oh, hallelujah. God bless you with a nice house. Testify about it. Well, you know, I don't want people to... No, that's the soulish realm. That's religion. Testify about it. Amen. So the Lord says, share my testimony. And I begin to share it. The fire of God hit me like it does. Fire of God fell. That's why people ask me. I mean, even, you know, remember Kevin said to you that, you know, because... Because I'd, I'd be out with Kevin playing golf and we eat and he, uh, he'd say, share your testimony. I said, I can't. And we'd be at a restaurant. He said, tell me your testimony. I said, I can't because if I tell it now, that fire is going to fall and people in this restaurant are going to be on the floor. And he's like, oh, whatever. No, no, but I'm serious. That's why when we'd go to churches with Pastor Rodney, we'd go to these, these churches, he'd always have me get up and share my testimony. Why? Because when I did, the fire fell and it fell in the congregation and break the church through. 
I feel it now. And I'm doing everything I can just to... Just go, go to YouTube and type in 1990, I think, 2, Rodney Howard Brown, Benny Hinn. <laughs> you, you'll see. We was at Benny Hinn's church. But i got to share this. And uh, he's real. The power of God's real. The presence of God is real. And it's such a shame that we've raised a generation that's more, they, they're more aware of entertainment than they are the very presence of God. And that's changing, though. That's changing. So the Lord said, so I share my testimony. The fire of God fell. And when it fell, it began to hit the people, and it hit her, this lady. And she let out this scream. Ah! I mean, it, it seemed like forever. She let out this scream. It was a, it was a blood-curling scream. And she let this scream. My wife got to meet her last year. She let out this scream, and boom, she hit the ground. <laughs> fell to the ground, but she went from screaming to laughing uncontrollably. Just like you are, some of you are. And I promise you, she left for about three hours on the floor. But her husband, because they own the barn, they live right next door. Her husband gets up at four in the morning to go to work. He's a, a machinist. So, and he's a big old guy. So he came and got his wife, picked her up, threw her over his shoulder like a sack of potatoes, <laughs> and walked out the church. I can hear her as they're walking down the aisle. Ah! I can hear her as they shut the sliding glass door. Ah! People, I mean, people were, people were gone. He said, I put her in the bed because he testified the next night. I flopped her in her bed. Then he just left her church clothes on and everything. And I got in bed. He said, because the, you know, with Brother Richard, the meetings go forever. And and because this thing means nothing. Because I'm not going to stifle the Holy Ghost. Because there's too many people that's got hell in their life for me to be worried about some clock. I want people free. Amen? People say, well, they won't come if it's too long. Are you kidding me? If the glory is present, people will come. If the anointing is present, people will come. And... He said, I'm laying in bed with my wife and she's laughing uncontrollably. And he said, I'll just sit there just, just laughing, just shaking because my wife's laughing and the bed's shaking. So he said, I got up and went and slept in the room. He said, last thing I remember is I went to sleep she's laughing. He said, I woke up four in the morning and there she is still laughing uncontrollably. He said, I went to work. He said, I called home for lunch. My daughter answered the phone, said, Daddy, we got, Mommy's still in, in, she's still in the bed. And she's still in her church clothes. And she's laughing and she won't stop laughing, Daddy. What are we supposed to do? We go on the talk to her and she laughs. He said, we'll just leave her. He came home that night from work, like 6 o'clock, whatever, came home. She's still laying in bed, church clothes on from the night before. What church service is? Church is starting. He's still drunk in the Holy Ghost. What did he do? He picked her up, threw her over his shoulder, brought her into church, flopped her down on the seat. <laughs> She left the night before drunk and came in the next night drunk in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> but you know what happened? She got totally set free. Here's what I found out. 
that that lady, one reason she's so mean is because she's been in and out of mental institutions. She's on all kinds of different medicines. From the time, from the time she was eight years old to the time she was, I don't know, 12, something like that, because they lived out in the country, her grandfather, her uncle, and her brother would take her and put her into a, like a little train and just, trust me, wicked stuff they do to her, wicked. And she'd try to commit suicide many times, just hell in her life. That's, that's why, don't ever judge anything. Don't judge anything. Well, what's that person down there laughing? All they do is laughing. No, 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 you don't know where they've been. Because understand something, the hand of God can go where the knife of man can never go. And when God does a work, he don't do it halfway. He makes us a brand new person. And no scars left over. She got totally delivered. Six months later, she became the worship leader. We was at the church last year. It's just been like 20 years. She was at the church last year. She's still on the worship team. She's one of the most joyfulest people there is in the church. Yeah, I mean, a joy to be around. She even came out to have lunch with us at a Chinese restaurant. It's just a joy to be around. But she got her whole life, devil's left her. She got totally set free. Amen. Totally set free. I didn't lay hands on her. No, that's just because the glory's present. And see, that's why the enemy fights it so much. Because once, understand, when the anointing of God is present, come on, when the power of God is present, the hold that he has on people is broken. Broken. That's why everything has to be about the anointing. Because it's the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. It's the anointing that sets the captives free. It's the anointing that heals the broken heart. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointing me to heal the broken heart. Understand, a heart that's broken can only be healed in the anointing. You can't get your broken heart healed by taking medicine or going to sit laying on some couch talking about your past. The only way to get your heart that's broken healed is to get in the presence of God. Allow the anointing of God to heal that heart. That's what Jesus said. It's the anointing. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. Come on, church. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage. Well, Brother Richard, how do, how do I have an encounter with God? You've got to be hungry. You don't have to change. Yeah, but Brother Richard, you just don't know what I've been through. And you don't know what I've done. Makes no difference. Yeah, but Brother Richard, I've messed up a lot. Who hasn't? Who hasn't? Don't, don't bring God's goodness down to the level of your mistake. God's goodness is far greater than your mistakes. God's goodness is far greater than your shortcomings. Come on, church. See, the enemy wants to keep you there. And the more you think about it, the more, as long as you continue to think about it, I know some people, I've talked to some people, and they're still living in the hell that they went through or the mistakes they made, and you begin to talk to them, it was 20 years ago. 
But it's just so real to them. Why? Because they constantly live there. God don't want you to live there. Come on. Allow the, allow the goodness of God to be manifested in your life. Amen? Because he does forgive. Amen? It's not a license to go do wrong. But when we mess it, thank God. He's a good God. And, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a shame that many people don't really have an understanding of God's goodness. He's a good God. All throughout the Bible, he's constantly telling us how good he is. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Come on. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. For the, Psalms 84, for the Lord is good to all. Psalms, eight, Psalms 34, come taste and see that the Lord is good. That's one reason why you keep coming back, because you've tasted of his presence. That's why you come back tonight. You tasted his presence. That's why you brought some people with you, because you've tasted of his presence, and his presence is good. You've tasted of his goodness, and his goodness is good. Amen? I mean, it's like, I mean, just related to food. I mean, I grew up, listen, I grew up in Kentucky. I mean, I didn't, I mean, I, my wife would tell you, I, I don't, I'm not a, I, I'm a, Fried chicken guy, you know, I'm a meat and potato guy. I'm, my favorite meal is biscuits and gravy. I'm a biscuits and gravy guy, you know what I mean? Huh. Hallelujah. I don't, I mean, I grew up with, I mean, I didn't grow up in church. I mean, my family drove race cars for a living. So I grew, I grew up around race cars and moonshine. One thing I know in the natural. <laughs> my family did have moonshine stills. My grandfather and uncle drove race cars. That's why it was my dream to drive race cars all my life. My, men, my grandfather was mentoring me to take his place. If I wasn't in the ministry, I'd be sitting on the front. I'd be sitting on the pole of the Daytona 500 that they run this Sunday. It was my dream. But I remember I used to go. I mean, so that's how I grew up in Kentucky. But I mean. I remember I used to go, my grandma make my, I call her mamma, my mamma make me biscuits and gravy. I mean, it's good. I mean, it's so good to make you slap your mama good. You know what I mean? I mean, it's good. <laughs> now, don't go slapping your mama. <laughs> so you can get slapped back. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, when I went off to Bible school, I'd come home. I'd, I'd call my mamma, I'm coming home. I had you some biscuits and gravy, honey. She called me Ricky, honey. I had some biscuits and gravy, Ricky. And I said, Mama, I'll be there. I mean, oh my gosh. I don't know what I'm talking about right now, making me hungry. But, <laughs> but my point is, I've tasted it. See, taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah. I remember my, I'd, go, I'd go there, my grandmother, my homemade biscuits. Ain't no canned stuff. Homemade. Put them out, come out of the oven, they'd be on. Brown on the top a little bit, steaming. You just open that biscuit up, put some butter on there. You need to watch that butter just melt and run all over it. You just take some, take some of that gravy. That little spoonful, you take a big old slump out there, flop it on there. You got the biscuits in there and the gravy all over the plate. Then get you some pepper put on there. Shaka. Shaka. 
<laughs> Make you talk in tongues, you know what I mean? I, I just did. I said, start talking in tongues, talking about. <laughs> yeah, come on. Or sausage gravy, whatever it is, you know. Ooh. It's good. It's my favorite meal. I, I'm convinced if my grandmother would took some of her gravy and just put it on top of my head, I, I'd slap myself silly just to get to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> some, of, some of you Italians are like away with a pasta or something. Yeah, you two Italians sitting there. That's how you are with a pasta, right? Who? Why? But why? But see, I even talk about. It. I start reliving it. Why? Because I've tasted. God wants you to taste of his goodness. Isn't it interesting when God, when Moses, when Moses cried out, Lord, show me your glory. You know what God said? God said, I'll show you my goodness. That's what God said to him. Lord, show me your glory. I'll show you my glory because I'm going to show you my goodness. Because he's good. No, no, he's good. He's a good God. No, no, he's a good God. Come on, he's a good God. Come on, he's a good God. He's a good God. Oh, he's good. He's good. He's good. He's a good God. He's a good God. Oh, he's a good God. And because he's a good God, the Bible says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, he went about doing good. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. That's what Peter said when Peter's at Cornelius' house. They wouldn't know about Jesus. So when, 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 when Peter started talking about Jesus, you know what Peter said? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Ghost, and with power. It's right there on the screen. Who went about doing good and healing? Two different things, by the way. People says the good, the healing is the good. No, it's two different things. He went about doing good and. How many know and's a conjunction? And, and it joins what was just said to what's going to be said. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. I mean, right there. I mean, how many more verses do you need to know that oppression comes from the devil? All oppression. Well, I don't know why the Lord's letting me go through this. He's not. It's the devil. He's the oppressor. He's the accuser of the brethren. Come on. But notice what, what Peter said when he began to talk about Jesus. He talked about the anointing. He talked about, about his goodness. He went about doing good. Went about doing good. Why? Because God is good. Come on, God is good. Do you, do you know God can only be good? He can't be anything but good. Well, how, how, how much goodness does God have? Well, guess what? God has no beginning and he has no end. So therefore, his goodness has no beginning and has no end. You can't exhaust it. Whew. Do you know that word goodness? That word goodness there is the same word you studied out as the same word where they get philanthropists from. That's why I said the other night, Jesus wasn't poor. That's a slap in God's face. Jesus wasn't poor. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on. I've never known any king to be poor. But Jesus is the King of kings. Come on. He's the King of kings. 
He wasn't some old, he didn't wear some old haggardly, old torn garments. He's the king. Amen? He's the king. He's the king. He's the king. He's the king. You know, isn't it a shame that we've regulated Pentecost to a one day a year event? They celebrate Pentecost, but they don't even have Pentecost. No, Pentecost is every day. That's what this is. This is Pentecost. And I don't know if I, I don't know if I can handle this. Well, you're going to be miserable in heaven. There's going to be a lot of joy in heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, Pastor Joe, when I minister with that tangible anointing. My hands burn like fire. I know when the anointing of God goes into people. And I know when they fall down just because they want my hand off their head. <laughs> no courtesy drops. But you know how that was. So when the God, I had an encounter with God in 1990, it's when my hands began to burn with fire. But probably about three years after that, 93, 94, I believe, maybe 95. I think it was 93. No, it was 93. Three years later. I had the opportunity to have lunch with Oral Roberts. So myself, my pastor, and, and um, Pastor Rodney and his wife, Adonica, Oral Roberts, Richard Roberts, and Lindsay's, Lindsay Roberts. In which I've played golf with Richard now many times, a number of times. So anyway, we're sitting at this table in Tulsa, Oklahoma at a restaurant. It's like we were today. And Oral Roberts began to talk about how God used to use him back in the days of the Voice of Healing House. He'd sit on the platform and they'd bring the sick up. And he said, my whole hands would burn like fire. He said, I literally felt the fire of God come out of my arm, go down my arms and come out of my hands. And he said, I'm going to show you hunger. Because hungry people do what satisfied people will never do. And I'll tell you right now, hungry people irritate. Satisfied people. People that are radical for Jesus irritate people that are not radical. Amen. People that are on fire for God irritate people that aren't. People that are soul winners irritate people that aren't. And so hunger is an action. So I'm sitting in, so all Roberts leans over and and he takes his, my pastor's hand and he says, in a restaurant. Not in church. No praise and worship. In a restaurant. Grady's restaurant used to be, I don't know, yeah, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. He reaches over and he grabs my pastor's hand and he says, and Father, let it be so with this young man. And the moment he did it, I promise you, like a wind came on that table. And blue and we're all like this. So, I'm, so I'm, I'm like, man, I, I'm so hungry for God. So I stuck my hand out. And I said, Brother Oral. And he's like this. And he opens up and he goes, yes, call me son. Yes, son. Or young man. He said, young man. And I said, put your hand in my hand. And you know what he said? He goes, I don't have anything left. 
I'm faced with the situation right then. I can either be like blind Bartimaeus when they told him to shut up, or I can cry louder. So I stuck my hand out. I said, Brother Oral. He goes, yes. I said, get some more. Then I was like, oh, Jesus, give us more. Then he reaches over and grabs my hand. He says, Father, let it be so with this young man. And the moment he said it, the same wind blew. See, there's always times that you have encounters with God. That encounter comes as a result of being hungry. But you know, over the years, because this happens everywhere we go, over the years, I cannot tell you the people that have been healed of stage four cancer. Loose count. People have been stage of, but they come sit in the meetings and, and, and they just get drunk. But the Bible does say that a merry heart does good like a medicine. Well, that merry heart can only be merry in his presence. Because in his presence is fullness of joy. Amen? The joy of the Lord is our strength. See, everything comes from God's presence, everything. Many years ago, when I was in, uh, I, I, I know what, the Lord just brought this to my memory, my attention, my spirit, that I was in New Hampshire. See, I can talk through it, it's so fine, I can preach through it, it's fine. But don't stop, you yield to the Holy Ghost. People, people, don't, don't stop, don't quench the Holy Ghost, amen. Well, I can't hear anything. Yeah, you can, try. Just tune out, just tune them out. You tune your wife out, tune out the joy. You know you men do that. Your wife's come to you, you know, honey, we talked. We did? I don't remember, I don't hear that. <laughs> oh, oh, we got some, we got somebody's pointing at their husbands. <laughs> That's what happens, you get drunk, it's like a true serum, hallelujah. <laughs> and so I was, in New, I was in New Hampshire, and, and um, the revival spread out of all New Hampshire, all six states. People from all six states were coming almost every night. We had to move buildings, and um, the glory was so strong. But there was this lady, and she, she testified that, and they drove hours every night to get to church. That's hunger. It's just like me telling old Roberts, listen, most people would have just, oh, okay. No, no, no. When you're desperate for God, when you're desperate for the things of God, you don't take no for an answer. The man let down from the roof wouldn't take no for an answer. Blind Bartimaeus wouldn't take no for an answer. Come on, the woman this year blood wouldn't take no for an answer. It's amazing everybody quit too easy. And so she was driving for hours, her and her, her family, every night. So she called, so she gets a call, she testified, she gets a call from her uh, daughter, her daughter's in third grade from her teacher. This is in public school. Uh, understand something, what I'm about to tell you. Understand something, the devil's not winning. Don't think for one moment the church is behind or God's behind. The devil's not winning anything. And she said that my daughter's teacher called today 
And this is a public school. This is in New England. Anybody here from New England? A couple of people. I mean, it's up here in New England. Matter of fact, the church my wife and I was just at a couple months ago, they started a school because in New England, they started bringing in homosexuals and lesbians to talk to the first graders, to tell them they might be homosexual or might be lesbian. So they started a school so their people in their church didn't have to put their kids through that. And so this is a public school. So the teacher, so the lady said, my daughter's teacher called me and said, Miss So-and-so, this is, this is Miss So-and-so, your, your, your daughter's third grade teacher. She said, nothing to be alarmed of. I'm just calling because I have a few questions about your daughter. And, my, and so the lady goes, what's, what's, what's going on with my daughter? She says, well, your daughter's different over the last couple of weeks. And she says, well, how is she different? She said, well, it's like, what happened today? And that's why I'm calling. I said, I'm teaching class. And all of a sudden, your daughter starts laughing. And I looked at her, but I could, she said, I could tell. Now, this is somebody's not even saved. Sometimes, sometimes Christians can't even explain the things of God. Here's a lady not even saved. She said, but I, I looked at her, and she said, it wasn't a normal laugh. She said, it was like deep, like a belly laugh. <laughs> Out of our belly shall flow rivers, right? And she said, your daughter starts laughing. Then a few of the students around your daughter's laughing. And I just look at it and she said, before I know it, the whole classroom's laughing. And I said, like, like, not just laughing at a joke, a deep laugh, like they're drunk. Some of them fell out of the chairs. And I'm just looking, what in the world's going on? And she said, all of a sudden something hits me, I feel something come on me and I start laughing. I started acting just like your daughter. <laughs> she said, it all happened with your daughter. I need to know what's been going on with your daughter. She said, and so the lady said, well, ma'am, I can explain everything that's going on. She says, we're in revival in our church. And the lady goes, this happens in church? <laughs> it's a shame, actually. You mean joy in church? She says, yeah, we're in revival. And you know what the lady, the teacher, she, she said, Please tell me the name of the church and where it's at. I have to come. But the power of God, the whole classroom, this third grade elementary school, public school, the glory of God filled the whole classroom through one person. See, that's why I said earlier, the greater the work God does in you, the greater the work God does through you. That's why everybody has to have an encounter with God. Everybody has to come to that place where you get so hungry, you get so thirsty for God that you cry out to God and He comes and He comes. Oh, Mare Sela Robo Rusta. He comes and you have a face to face meeting with Him. That's what happened with Amy Simple McPherson. That's what happened with George Whitfield. That's what happened with Charles Finney. That's what happened to Peter Cartwright. It's what happened to John G. Lake, the, the Jeffrey brothers. It's what happened to John Wesley. All these individuals had an encounter with God. It's what happened to Smith Wigglesworth. It's what happened to A.A. Allen. All these great individuals that, that, that shook nations. Kenneth Hagin, William Brannan, all these individuals shook nations. Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. Why? But they, they had an encounter. Or Roberts. I can go down the list. 
Amy Simple McPherson, Catherine Kuhlman, Maria Woodworth Edder, all these individuals. That's why people come, it's so stupid to me. People come, ah, man, you, you, you believe in women preachers? I mean, uh, really? Are we, uh, shut up. Stop. It's the dumbest question. Women preachers. Catherine Kuhlman, she got more people healed on accident than preachers do today on purpose. Come on, give me a break. She was a mighty woman of God. I've watched her and watched her. I never got to be in any meetings personally, but I know how to get the anointing. Because here's the reality. Listen, you can have any anointing you want. It just comes down to how hungry you are for it. I've sat and watched Catherine Kuhlman for hours. People, I tell you. She was very German. People, I tell you. There's a wonderful anointing in this place. People, I tell you. I can tell you the time. I can tell you the day. That Catherine Coleman died. True, I feel it. Just even talking about it like that. Oh! See, the anointing's transferable. The anointing's transferable. No, come on, the anointing's transferable. The anointing of miracles is transferable. This comes down to how hungry are you for it. So Jesus said in Luke chapter 4, you know, every night's different. That's why you just can't come to one night and say, because well, every night's so different, because there's many different ways of the Holy Ghost. But Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Notice Jesus draws attention to the Holy Ghost. Every city, every village, every town Jesus would go into, the first thing that he would do was draw attention to the Holy Spirit and tell the people the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I know that for a fact because I told you I have two mentors in my life, Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, who's also one of my best friends and my pastor, but also Kenneth Hagin. And when Jesus appeared to Kenneth Hagin, Jesus said to him, Jesus appeared to him 11 times that we know of. Jesus said to him, on one of the times he appeared to him, Jesus said, every city, every village I would go into, the first thing I would do before I did anything else is tell the people that the anointing is upon me. Here it confirms it. Luke 4 verse 18, the spirit of the Lord, Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord or the anointing of God is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives and a recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So it's the anointing of God that makes the difference. That's why the Bible says that they laid the sick in the streets and when Jesus would walk by, they'd reach out and touch his garment. And people, well, what is the anointing? Really, the best way to describe the anointing, it's this way. It's God coming upon flesh. It's God himself coming upon flesh. That's why when you look at the ministry of Jesus, you don't see any miracles Jesus did until he was anointed. Why? Because it's the anointing that does everything. It's the Holy Ghost that does everything. That's why we got to yield to the Holy Ghost. 
out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I don't know if I said this the other night, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the, uh, there's um, out of the four Gospels, when we read about Jesus, 85% of everything we read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the last 28 days of Jesus' life. That just tells you how much he did. That's why the Bible says there wouldn't be enough room to contain the books that'd be written about all the things he did. That's a lot of stuff. Why? Because he had the Holy Ghost without measure. And we had a conversation today about certain things and, and, and that's why I said, well, if Jesus had the Holy Ghost without measure, there was no limit to it. Then some of these things we would be reading about that happened. Or, if they, or, 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 or listen, or the things that God wanted us to know about and yield to and flow with. Don't get caught up in, in, people get, sometimes they get so caught up in the spectacular they miss the supernatural. And they become, listen, and people become sensation seekers. No, 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 we don't seek anything. We don't, we don't, we don't understand, we don't seek anything but Him. When God touched me, I never one time asked God for this ministry. I never one time asked God to give me a ministry of joy. I never one time asked God to give me a ministry of miracles. I never one time asked God to give me a ministry where people fall on the floor. I didn't ask any of that. I wasn't seeking anything from his hand. I wanted to know him. God, I got to know you. I'm so hungry for you. I'm so hungry for you. I'm so hungry for you. God, I'm so hungry for you. God, I'm so hungry for you. God, I'm so hungry for you. Really? And see, what we have to understand, there's, the Bible says there's different operations, there's different manifestations, there's different, there's different, there's different administrations of the anointing. There's different, and there's different ministries. There's workers of miracles. That's their ministry. So we have to learn the flow of the Holy Ghost. I'm a revivalist. That's what God's called me to do. So here's, so here's Jesus. Now I want you to see something. The Bible says in, in, in Mark 5, verse 25, that there was a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. The Bible says she spent all she had and uh, was no better, but rather grew worse. But the Bible says she heard of Jesus. And when she heard of Jesus, she came behind the press and touched his garment. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And the Bible says immediately Jesus felt in his body that virtue had gone out of him. He turned around in the press and said, who touched me? The disciples said to, them, said to Jesus, Lord, how do we know who touched you? The multitude are thronging me. Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I felt virtue go out of me. The one Bible says, the woman feared and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him, told him all the truth. Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. That's what Jesus said. Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Now notice the Bible says, the multitude were thronging him. The thronging him. The thronging him. That means there, there's thousands of people. The Bible said he fed the multitudes. Jesus was famous. Understand. They're, they're touching him. They're touching him. But notice the Bible says that, that the multitudes thronged Jesus, but he kept walking with Jairus. But here comes this woman who had a desperate condition. Here comes this woman spent all the money that she had and trying to get better. There was no no get. She kept getting worse. But she heard of Jesus. What did she hear of? She heard of the anointing. That's why she said, if I can just touch him, I'll be made whole. If I can touch him, I'll be made whole. She releases her faith. She makes her way through the press. She reaches out, touched his garment. 
And the Bible says immediately he felt in his body, or immediately she felt in her body she was healed of that plague, but immediately Jesus turned around. Jesus said, who touched me? Now, why is Jesus asking who touched me? That's why the disciples said, Master, thou seest the multitude thought of you. Listen, the multitudes were touching Jesus out of curiosity. This woman placed a demand upon the anointing because she was hungry. You gotta place a demand upon the anointing of God. You gotta place a demand upon the things of God. Don't just come here, well, I see what that got down there. No, 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 no. That's the wrong reason. Don't even come to church Sunday morning like that. You come to church hungry. Don't come to church on Sunday morning to have the worship team get you in worship. Come in already in worship. Don't come in where the pastor's got to preach you happy, excited, and hungry. No, be that way already. Jesus didn't ask who touched me when the multitudes touched him. But the woman that released her faith, the woman that was hungry, when she touched him, that anointing was released. Went out of Jesus, went into her, and she was made whole. It's the anointing. See, you place a demand upon the anointing. Place a demand upon the anointing. Place a demand upon the anointing. Place a demand upon the That's what God wants us to do. No, no, no. God wants us to place it. That's what faith is. That's what hunger is. God comes to those that are hungry. He said, draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. Well, guess what the other side of the coin is? You don't draw nigh, he won't draw nigh. He's always present. But there's a difference between God's presence being present and God's manifested presence. It's a difference. Amen? There's a, dif- there's a difference. Do you know God never sends a revival the way we want it to come? Some people are going to miss revival because they think it's going to come a certain way. No, no, no. God does it His way. Then He expects us to just jump in. Amen? God never does anything to conform to the way we think it should be. Amen? God does it His way and He expects us to jump in. Oh, hallelujah. Hey, this is Pastor Joe. And before you go, I want to pray with you to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is your opportunity to be 100% sure that heaven will be your eternal home. It's very simple. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you mean business with God, he means business with you. I want you to pray this very simple but powerful prayer and mean it with all your heart. Repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. I believe that you are crucified and God raised you from the dead. I believe that you are the Son of God. I repent of all my sin and I ask for your forgiveness. I give you my life. Do something with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God. The Bible says all the angels in heaven are rejoicing because you just prayed that prayer. 
The next step is to find a good, strong, local church. If you live anywhere near Lancaster, Pennsylvania, we invite you to join us at Life in Christ every Sunday at 10 a.m. We have some of the best people on planet Earth. We love you, God bless you, and have a wonderful day. listening to the Life in Christ Church podcast. Help us to continue to share the message of faith with those all over the world. Visit licchurch.com forward slash give to partner with us today.